Are you sick and tired of ads? Well, this is an ad telling you that you don't need to listen to ads. Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murder, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and the Marvel original, Wolverine the Long Night. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up and use our offer code, CAPED, at checkout and get your first month for free. That's CAPED, C-A-P-E-D, for your first month free. Stitcher Premium. It's like Stitcher, but premium. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters this is the show that took the blue pill also along with michael rapaport the boner pills that's right i don't want we none took of that the boner shit. pills with michael rapaport and now we're special <laughs> just like him so special from 2006 directed by i have to look i don't even know these famous guys names. directors hal <laughs> haberman and jeremy passmore who, um, yeah, them. Ever since this movie, they've been passing more on his project. Hey, hey, hey! hey, hey. <laughs> now, he's written like three movies since then. They were, you know, he has really well received ones like San Andreas. <laughs> you know what? If uh, you got to keep working somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. It's important. And, and vice, I suppose not the good vice with Christian Bale. <laughs> the bad vice with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. It all comes together. Yeah. See, there's a reason Ebert picked this one. It is June. We are celebrating the birth of Roger Ebert this month. We're trying to get June some, 18th. some good karma with Ebert, so he picks better movies for us. Right. We have uh, we are down a rabbit hole of bad juju with him. Yeah, we, and we he picks our some, random movies. some terrible things so, about him, so uh, we need a redemption yeah. arc. We do, and we're working on it, and he's going to be picking all the movies this month to really stick it to us. Exactly. That should put us square, I think. Uh, for another year, I would say. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I have a dumb question to ask you, Brian. Yeah. Have you ever seen this movie? Fuck no. <laughs> uh, nobody has. Have you? It's not true, which is weird. I've never seen this thing. I've never heard of it. This movie no. cost estimated $1 million to make. Cumulative worldwide gross, $14,967. Yeah. Why do I feel like that million dollar budget is rounded up to the nearest million? <laughs> that's pretty fair on cars.com some cars that you can buy for <laughs> under, for the amount this movie made back you could buy a 2013 hyundai equus signature Ooh. no you couldn't it was 14.5 you Not can't do it him. can't afford it maybe uh, you could you haggle can, it down <laughs> you could try to you could buy a nice 2015 hyundai sonata with forty-five thousand miles on it that's pretty sweet it's <laughs> That's a car. Yeah, a 2003 Lincoln Town car executive. Ooh. Interior color is listed as other. So that's got to raise some questions, right? But yeah, that's only $5,000. You could definitely buy it. Not if you spend a million dollars on the 2010 Toyota Corolla with 112,000 miles on it for uh, $2,600. It looks like there is severe driver's side door damage on it, though. Severe. Hmm. But you can afford it for the amount that this movie you can afford that one for what this movie made opening weekend you could you could uh, hey it had a big opening weekend i don't have to tell you it's huge 
almost, <laughs> this movie. Almost $3,500. Yep. <laughs> I've worked some weekends where I got paid more than that. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Do you want to get into this thing? It's, I mean, we always get screwed whenever we do one of these types of movies that no one's ever seen, no one's ever going to see it, and we still have to talk about it because it's our job. Right, right. It's the thing we do for whatever reason. It is the thing we do for whatever reason. And I promise you, I have one-star reviews for this episode, and it is not for this movie. Stick around. <laughs> I feel like a disclaimer is needed. Stick yeah. around. Yeah. Let's get into it. Les Franken, played by uh, everybody's favorite action hero, superhero actor, Michael Rappaport. Right. Facebook's own, Instagram's own, Twitter's own, Michael Rappaport. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, the War at Home's own, Michael Rappaport. He's a pretty normal dude, if not like a really sad dude. Yeah, he's very low key. Yeah. Uh, we start off the movie with a VO where he talks about he used to dream about flying. He would realize he could fly every night, but not really realize he could fly. He realized there was no reason he couldn't fly. Right. Uh, VOs at the start of these movies is usually a red flag. Generally speaking. This one, kind of not really. And we're going to get there. Yeah, this one was actually, I didn't hate this one. I was like, all right. Yeah, agreed. Um, But now all he dreams about is ordinary things like doing laundry, shopping for groceries, riding on elevators. Those are the types of dreams where you, like, you know, when you die in your sleep, you don't wake up. But yeah. like, do you think he just wants to wake up or do you think he wants to never, ever wake up and just be dead? Because those are nightmarish dreams. I can't imagine like, <laughs> oh, it's the elevator dream again. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess I'm mowing the lawn in this dream. This is great. Then I got to wake up and actually mow the lawn. <laughs> Here's my taxes dream. Fuck. Oh, no. Yeah, I'd rather just be awake. <laughs> or dead. Or dead, yeah. No middle of the road. So he signs up for a clinical trial for an experimental antidepressant. Dr. Dobson, character actor Jack Keller. Jack Keller? Jack Keller. Either way, he's acting. Acting! He is... I can't believe how many things he's in. I think he has a longer IMDb than anybody else in this movie. I agree. And he's just one of those guys that's like, wait a minute, I know this guy from somewhere. And then you go to look it up and you're like, that didn't help. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, right. He's been in everything once. Dr. Dobson approves less for the study and instructs him to take one pill a day. Les decides to journal about his day-to-day -day results on the medication, and also Dr. Dobson gives him a t-shirt. Right. And the journal is actually the VO that we're hearing. Right. Which it's, um, kind of makes it make sense, which is nice. Like, hey, cool. They made a reason for having the VO. I like it. And then we get another VO. We do. We do. But I also, I like to think that this movie was shot between, well, they probably had English class at 10 to noon, and then they also had... <laughs> like a sociology class, probably like one to three. So they shot it on their college campus somewhere between those two classes. Because how the hell is this thing not a student film? That's a good question. I would point to the cast, though, because all of these people have been in things. They have, but I mean, even, uh, I don't know. I've Maybe worked on really small budget things that have had big actors. Okay. Student films with big actors? No. <laughs> no, you're right. This, maybe they went to NYU. They do important oh, film go. things there, right? Yeah. Except I'm pretty sure this was filmed in California. Like I said, CYU. I mean, reasons. <laughs> you're right. I once read about a monster called the Extricator that lived off people's souls. Only thing was, the Extricator ate a person's soul in their sleep over a 16-year period. Like it would nibble off a crumb every night until there's nothing left. So a person had no way to realize what was going on. They just had this vague sense that something was slowly disappearing. Whoa, that is bleak. 
It is bleak. There are definitely words. They're out there. Yeah, this guy's bummed. <laughs> He's not happy. He's a meter maid and a pushover. It's not a good combination. No, bad combo, in fact. Yeah, his boss is worried that he won't last, and he makes him repeat the mantra, I'm important, and I keep this city running, over and over. This movie is listed on IMDb as a comedy, drama, sci-fi. Just wanted that out there. Oh, I'm sure it's at least one of those things. <laughs> Les also loves comic books. His regular shop is owned by brothers Joey and Everett, played by Josh Peck and Robert Baker, respectively. Sure, actors. Josh Peck and Michael Rappaport in this movie, I feel like they're like, I need to do something to branch out or I'm going to be typecast forever. That was the impression Do they, though? I got. Do they? I think this is a very different role from Michael Rappaport in 2006. Well, he's a lead. <laughs> exactly. That alone is, is the crazy part. <laughs> but he's also, he's not playing comic relief. He's not, it's not a comedy by any means. He's, it's like a serious role. And Josh Peck, he's just trying not to be a, a Nickelodeon show kid anymore uh to a point because in 2008 josh peck did a movie called the whackness that had oscar winner ben kingsley in it and the whackness is it's the summer of 1994 and the streets of new york are pulsing with hip-hop set against this backdrop a lonely teenager named luke shapiro josh peck spends his last summer before university selling marijuana throughout the new york throughout new york city trading with his unorthodox psychotherapist for treatment yeah yeah that's uh it's basically like trading up from special. So I don't know what he's going for here. Josh Peck. He's, he's going for Ugh. not Nickelodeon. <laughs> right. I'm the Nickelodeon <laughs> Jonah Hill. That's what I'm going for here. But anyway, these two are like his only friends. And, and they're like, hey, come back later. We're going to be doing stuff, I guess. Right. And and clearly Hal Haberman and Jeremy, who gives a fuck, the directors of this thing, have never <laughs> been in a comic book store before because these guys are just caricatures of nothing. It's ridiculous. That's, that's true. That evening, while watching TV, Les finds himself floating above his couch. He's He's got the power of levitation, Holmes. Yeah, it's a good one to have if you're going to have something. If you're going to have, if you're going to slowly find out you have powers, the best way to do it is to be watching TV, eating your frozen dinner, and all of a sudden, you're levitating. I get it. Been there. Done that. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's I call that Tuesday. <laughs> he immediately returns to Dr. Dobson to show him the side effects. He leaps from Dr. Dobson's desk and floats above the ground. But then we cut to Dr. Dobson's perspective and show him just lying on the ground. Doing like a swim maneuver on the floor. <laughs> so Dr. Dobson examines Les, and Les believes he has telepathy, and Dr. Dobson is speaking to him via thoughts. He tells Les to stop taking the drugs, but Les hears him telepathically tell him to keep taking them since they're listening. Because the doctor man had to step out of the room and there were two suits there. And- yeah. Now he thinks that he's being so watched. now he's totally paranoid. This is a really, really interesting setup, and it's actually done pretty well. It's fascinating the way, I mean, they wrote the script in such a way that the conversation makes sense with and without the telepathy part. It's actually impressive. It's very well done. Les tells Dr. Dobson that he'll flush the drugs, and Dr. Dobson gives him a card. You know, if you need anything, this is my number. That's what cards are for. Yes. Yep. It's not like... Ace of spades. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> that would be silly. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, he he gives him a playing card. That's it's was this your give card? You my number. And then hand him just a uh, five. See? Do you see what's <laughs> weird about what you said now? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Say, hey, uh, if you need to call me, 
This is a Roger Clemens rookie card. <laughs> Ooh, not bad. On the way out of the office, Les hears everyone's thoughts. Outside, he's overwhelmed by the thoughts of passersby, so he goes into a store to escape the noise. In the store, he witnesses a man planning to rob the place. Or at least that's what he <laughs> thinks he's witnessing. We don't really yeah, know. We have no clue. Les- it's just a guy with a hood, and that's dangerous as we learn in society. Yeah, he's, uh, whew, he's a bad man, we think. Les tackles him as he draws his gun on Maggie, the convenience store <laughs> clerk. Right. It's a good hit. Good full-formed hit. Yeah. Knocks him over. He scrambles for the gun and runs away. He saved the day, we think. He can't really <laughs> be sure about anything that's happening on the screen anymore. And I kind of love that. Yeah. It, it's a really interesting movie. Les heads to the comic book shop to tell his friends about his new powers. They're high as shit. <laughs> and he tells yep. them that he can read their minds. They're thinking about pizza. Uh, obviously. Nailed it. That's that's not even a stretch. Like, Nope. As soon as he said, you're thinking about pizza, I was like, oh shit, he can read my mind too. I agree. Because as soon as he said it, I was like, yeah, I could go for pizza. We're in Connecticut, pizza capital of the world. We're always thinking about pizza. He got True. in our heads. Until he said no cheese with olives. And I was like, who? That's insanity. That's just being a monster. At that point, it's like, all right, you're definitely friends with this guy because that's an insane order that you'd really have to know. <laughs> yes. And I don't think you're telepathic, but you might be. I'm still not sure. Then he runs through a wall to show off his powers, and he gives himself a bloody nose because the more serious powers extract a toll on his body. <laughs> he ran into the fucking Exact wall. a toll? That's the word. <laughs> you know, phrases. I know how they go. Exacts a toll. You got beats yeah, on the mind. I yeah, get it. He, uh, he ran through the wall. That's what we saw. But the stoner boys, they're laughing their ass off because he ran flat into the wall. Yeah, but it, they could also be laughing because they're high and he just ran through a wall. You're not wrong. I mean, I, you have to be in that frame of mind, though. It's like in Harry Potter, Harry could speak to snakes. He's a parcel tongue. Here, maybe he could speak to stoners. He's like a nug tongue or something like that. <laughs> there dank, it is. Dank nug tongue. Uh, he's got the dank tongue. <laughs> what, are you, what language are you speaking? Sticky icky. Nailed it. All right. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Les tells them if a person doesn't do good with the gifts they're given, that's almost worse than doing evil, isn't it? It's just doing something else, really. It's, yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he quits his job, crafts his superhero costume, including the special logo from his medication t-shirt, and starts patrolling the streets for crime. Yep. He's just this in, is... a, in a, like a warm-up suit at this point with a hood. That's it. <laughs> yeah, a warm-up suit dirty. that he spray-painted white with a logo he cut off of a t-shirt sewed to the back. As you do. And hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> but they're Wait, not Michael Rappaport. Pads. You got to say Michael Rappaport. I'm not wearing fucking hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Kid. Kid. I'm not wearing fucking hockey pads. Uh, fun fact about Michael Rappaport that I learned uh, from his podcast. He calls his penis a loaf. Good for him. So. <laughs> it gives like the Great British Baking Show an entirely different like <laughs> mindset of how it happened. <laughs> like so Michael Rapport was famous loaf. enough to get his own show. <laughs> you got to bake the loaf at three fifty for thirty uh, minutes. You this hear that is sweet like hot. <laughs> this is this is textbook manic episode though, right? Like he's delusions of grandeur. He quit his job. He's making impulsive oh, decisions. Sure. This is. I mean, or he's actually a superhero. Who's to say? Us. Yep, it's us. Us, the audience. Us, the audience, yes. So he's patrolling the streets for crime, and this leads him to tackling a bunch of people because he 
he instinctively <laughs> knows that they were evil. Right. And the news plays a clip of like, <laughs> him tackling these people and they say, play it again. And then you see it all again. I love that they're just that's like how the news works. instant replay on the news. <laughs> what? Oh, man. Hey, let's take a I look like at that how, clip like, again. They give out a phone number at the end for to like get tips, if you will, and it's a five 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 number. It's which a, hasn't been used in years. I feel like a one eight hundred five 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 number. Oh, they doubled man. down. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> These reports are seen by Doctor Dobson, and he calls somebody saying, "We have a problem." Les goes and tries to ask out Maggie from the convenience store, but he's too nervous, so he just buys her flowers and leaves. They have such a connection. It's, it's great. Oh, man, it's instant romance. There. You can feel it. You can feel it's, it. It's so hot. He's definitely baking a loaf. Oh. And she's <laughs> d- definitely stirring a mixture of She's definitely working eggs and milk and at a convenience some sugar. Store. Maybe a dash of vanilla extract or something. I don't know. We've been watching a lot of great British baking show, whatever it's called. The Great We've been British a lot of it. Bake Off? That, it's very, very good. Is that it? It's very relaxing. That's why. That's what I've heard. British people cooking delicious food. That's it. It's great. Isn't that not a thing, though? Delicious British food? No, the uh, teeth are bad. The teeth are the bad ones. I've heard food is bland. Definitely, definitely some (laughs) British teeth on that show. It's crazy. I believe it. (laughs) But yeah, these two have a serious chemistry, and you feel it immediately. You're like, oh, man, those are two people in a room. You did the opposite again. You you don't feel it. Oh. You don't feel you don't feel it at all. I, I should have stopped I, you earlier. I thought I felt something. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was nothing. I was gonna say that's not so much a loaf as it is like a, a biscuit, like a Vienna wafer or whatever. <laughs> you said biscuit, but you meant it like the British way, like a cookie. I did. It's, I told you. I've been watching a lot. <laughs> Setting out to patrol the next day. He, you know, he leaves his apartment in full costume with a coffee, like he's going to work. I loved it. He un- unlocks his car with like the key from the outside <laughs> and everything. He was like, "This is so like business like. This is great. It's amazing." Uh, he's followed by a black car with tinted windows, but not for long because like they get to a stop sign, he turns right, the car goes left. You're like, <laughs> so "All right, like- that was interesting." He goes to the police to offer his services as a crime fighter. He shows off his powers again, this time running smack into a wall. And we see it this time. It's and we see him just terrific. whack right into the wall. And, and then he yeah. comes and back up cop. to the cop. Oh, he goes, man. I'm not like most people. And he's like, I can see that. <laughs> but I like how the cop even steps out and he's like, I know you. And he doesn't bother arresting him on the spot for bad cop reasons. I don't know. Yeah, he, he recognizes him and he's like, actually, there is something you can help us with. Here there's this lunatic running around tackling innocent people. This cop deserves to be on the front desk Farva style. For trying to be all fucking coy well, about arresting a guy. That's where he was. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. I know. It makes perfect sense. Uh, and then he sends, like, two other officers to chase after him. But outside, Unbelievable. the car with the tinted windows shows up again and picks less up. Inside are Jonas and Ted Exile, the owners of the special medication. It's uh, Paul Blackthorne and Ian Bowen. No clue who Ian Bowen is. Barely know who Paul Blackthorne is. Paul Blackthorne was... uh. Is very famous for his role on Arrow. All right. I believe you. It's, it's a Detective Lance. Quentin Lance. Oh, him. Series I, regular. I never watched Arrow. That's a mistake. Is it? I I don't know. I I mean, even The Flash I got off of eventually. There's no pleasing you anyway. So. That was a dangerous sentence to say. I got off of The Flash. <laughs> when I, 
<laughs> so why are you getting off the flash? I don't know, man. Why are you getting the flash I got, off? I got I got baked goods on the mind. And once you mention the loaf. The loaf. <laughs> my, my unleavened bread rows or whatever it does. I feel like that's not supposed to happen at all. That's why it's I unleavened. I, have, I got a problem. I got to talk to a doctor. Definitely. It's not working right. <laughs> Michael Rapport has broken my penis. Your loaf. <laughs> but yeah, they're the owners of the medication and they want Les to stop taking it and to definitely stop wearing their logo on his back while he tackles innocent civilians. Reasonable request. Seems like it, but Les from the future shows up in the car <laughs> and warns Les that the suits are the ones who convinced the cops that he did something wrong. And they're creating an army of assassins and that if Les doesn't join them, they'll take his powers or worse. Who knows what that means? Yeah. It means what, nothing. What are you to do in that situation other than grab a chopstick from their car sushi and stab Jonas in the ear? Yeah, that all checks out. Car sushi, very uh, normal thing that you eat. Very elegant that you eat in the back of a Lincoln Town Car. That you, <laughs> there you go. There's the 1994 there Lincoln Town Car. It came that's back. Why, I can't believe it. That's why I asked if it had tinted windows. That makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, he stabs him in the ear with chopsticks and runs from the car. Ted chases him, but eventually Les runs into his force field. Luckily, he teleports <laughs> out of the force field and knocks Ted out. I don't ask. Don't ask. Who knows what happens here? Don't I ask. love that this is all happening in his head and he still got caught. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, it's wild. This movie's nuts. It's so crazy. So Les goes to the comic book shop and he tells Joey and Everett about the suits attacking him. And they're like, dude, you don't have superpowers. You're actually going crazy. And then he starts freaking out and he's like, no, nah, the suits must have got to you, too. And basically, they, their crazies feed off of each other because they're like, we're worried about you. And he's like, ah, I'm, I'm super. And then they're like, is there a doctor we can bring you to? <laughs> Conveniently, there's seven people in this movie. One of them's a doctor. How he's about like, yeah, that? Actually, there is a doctor. And this is where the movie takes the turn, in my mind, where it just becomes a mess, an absolute mess. Yeah, this is the point. I think this is the point. I think this is like where the filmmaking just went downhill, too. Like, this is the part where I noticed, filmmaking-wise, what are you guys doing? Because in this comic book store, there's this humming noise that just doesn't stop. <laughs> and it's either coming from the fluorescent lights or it's coming from a generator outside. Like, I have no clue where what it's coming from, but it is distracting. Why not both? But then the next scene, <laughs> they decide they're going to drive less to the doctor in this car. Yes. Brian. Yeah. I sent you a picture of a screenshot that I took from this movie. I see it. This is a, a night shot. Yeah, but it's so bright in that car. <laughs> <laughs> it is insanely lit. It's wow. ridiculous. Maybe they all have iPads on their laps. That's got to be it. <laughs> That's how I drive around in 2006. They just, uh, they're streaming episodes of The Office because it just went on iTunes. It's perfect. On the way to Dr. Dobson's office, Les leaves the car, climbs onto the roof of a building, and jumps down onto a would-be purse snatcher. We got one. It's a real one. Yeah. It actually convinces Joey that Les is a superhero, but it makes Everett more concerned. <laughs> right. Because Joey's just a kid, and he's like, oh, he actually like saved somebody. Maybe he's telling the truth. And Everett's kind of going, God damn it, that was bad timing. Yeah, yeah. And he's also like, will you shut up, Joey? Don't encourage him. Because Josh Peck just wants heroes to be real, I guess. I guess so. Or he's Josh still Josh Peck high. is just happy with any screen time he can get. 
I mean, he's pretty fresh off of Drake and Josh right here. He is, but without Drake. He's flying alone. He's just Josh. Dr. Dobson acts like he has no idea who Les is, and that makes both the brothers go, all right, he's lying. Even Joey has been flipped once again, because why have any consistency to a character? Right. And it makes the audience go, come on. Oh, so that was pointless that he got excited about that. Neat. Dr. Dobson gives the brothers an antidote and tells them if it doesn't help to bring him to the fucking hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Not very helpful at all. (laughs) No, the brothers are like, okay, take this. It'll make your power stronger. And he's like, you guys are lying. Uh, I don't like that. So he runs away. Even though he has no reason to believe they're lying. Yeah, other than he saw Dr. Dobson give them the antidote or whatever. You're I still right. don't if even know what it is. If there's four people in a room and three of them do a huddle in a corner and you're the one out, just <laughs> assume whatever happens, is they're lying. And yeah, they're yeah. going to try to lie to you as if the they, one out. If everybody in the room beside you huddles up and then offers you something, don't take it. Never, ever take it. It's bad. It's for plot, even uh, in real life. Les returns to his apartment to see Ted and Jonas inside reading his journals. Jonas suggests they kidnap him, tie him up, and wait for the drugs to naturally leave his system. It's sort of reasonable when you think about it. It absolutely is, but it, I also don't think it happens. I don't think it's real at all. Who knows? But we have no way it's, of knowing I mean, exactly. This, this movie likes to trick you. It doesn't, it's unreliable narrator, and it just leans on it the whole way. Right. So Les goes back to Dr. Dobson, who admits then to knowing him. The suits had him shred Les's documents because of this adverse reaction to the medication. It turns out they've been bought out, and we're set to make a lot of money, but we're worried that Les's study would cause him to lose the deal because the first time it had gone wrong in a patient. Right. They had this whole study where these two guys drive around in an early 90s Lincoln Town car <laughs> with the brother as the chauffeur who also owns the company, and they go to the shittiest looking doctor's office of all time. Yeah. And they're going to make a lot of money off this wonder drug. Well, What businessmen? The shitty doctor was the one who made the shitty drug. That's right. This and, is all you know, convoluted. Monsanto or Pfizer dropped down and went, hey, we're going to buy this off you because it's showing promising results. I believe that's right. exactly. So what does it really work? It's showing promising results. That's the equivalent <laughs> of huddling in a corner. Yep. Dr. Dobson tells Les that he backed out. He couldn't handle the way the suits were treating Les and was convinced that Les even has a strong lawsuit against them should he want to press charges. But most important is getting him off the drugs first. But Les is like, no. I want these powers forever. So he takes the rest of the drugs all at once. (laughs) You shouldn't do that. Nope. Ever. Never, ever. It's a bad idea. He goes out into the streets and is immediately approached, of course, by the suits, Jonas and Ted. Knowing earlier that they were threatening to make him disappear, he tells Jonas that nobody would care if he disappeared, which Jonas takes as a threat. But then Les makes their car disappear. He stands in front of it, does some Tai Chi, and makes it (laughs) disappear. Yep, it's gone, David Blaine style. Street then magic. as he's walking away, he hears footsteps approaching him. Then an invisible Jonas beats the hell out of him with a two by four. Yep. <laughs> we don't know it's two by four for a while, but nope. it's just Michael Rappaport flying around, getting tossed about, getting beat up by an invisible being for what feels like forever. It's a very long scene of just abuse. Les finally gets a hold of the wooden plank and swings wildly at his invisible assailant, knocking out both Jonas and Ted. I want to stop you for a hot second. Okay. So this story has, has taken place. He's become super. He's gotten the pill. He thinks he's all super. He's all fucky, actually. He uh, learns that he has this power. Yeah. He goes about having this power and tackling people. And then he 
has to he finds out about the drug company making this deal with the money and yada yada yada. And now he's just defeated the villains. Yeah. So we are fifty seven minutes into this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is over. <laughs> More or less. But not really, because... Uh, mostly, but not really. But what the hell, movie? Why even exist? <laughs> I don't know. We get another VO from Mr. Michael Rappaport telling us, uh, Most people never stop to think about the problems associated with being a superhero. Instead, they tend to focus on the more glamorous aspects of our lives. They focus on the powers we have, the things we can do. But the unfortunate truth is that, while being different from everyone else can be exciting at first, ultimately it gets a little lonely. Fine. He's still depressed. Fine. Yeah, he's real depressed still. Fine. So he goes to Maggie and he tells a her- A person he's never spoken to in this movie. Right, right. But he bought her flowers that at one. one time and she smiled about it, kind of. Right, and she checked him out once. And I don't mean that in a sexual way. She nope. works at a grocery store. <laughs> he may or may not have saved her uh, from a robber? I guess so. Maybe? The world may never know. And then, now this girl's just happy to have lines in this movie. And, <laughs> but oh my God- I don't know who has a bigger, who has to lean on something more. Tiny Tim with his crutch or this girl oh, man. on a stutter that yeah. she is very clearly making up. She's got a stutter, which I guess is her character. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, she asked Timmy him, in South Park has a less noticeable stutter. Uh, it's true. Or is it Jimmy? Which one's the stutter? Is it Jimmy? It's Jimmy. Ah, it's been a while. Timmy just goes, Timmy! That's you know what I knew that that one's on me. Jimmy thinks he oh, excellent audience. That's a very good Jimmy. Fantastic it's a very good audience. Maggie from this movie too. Good for you. <laughs> she asked Les if he's on drugs, and he's like, "Yeah, I took them all." <laughs> so she brings him to the bathroom where he throws up, but he's also having visions of Jonas, who he knows he just kind of knocked out with a two by four, and or is disappeared because he made him disappear. Who knows? Who knows what he's actually thinking at this point? He's a crazy person. And he realizes it now. He tells Maggie that he thinks he's going crazy, and he needs her to lock him in the bathroom overnight. At a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she does. <laughs> she totally yep. does. No questions asked. She grabs him some supplies, locks him in the bathroom, and leaves for the night, I guess. This uh, is like a really, really bad version of train spotting. <laughs> he takes the antidote from Dr. Dobson earlier, and he passes out. And he dreams about being on an elevator. Very sad. So sad. The next morning, clear-headed but bruised and sore, he limps home. There's another VO about him uh, being a regular guy. And, you know, I guess if I thought I was super, I must have been crazy. He steps into the street and he gets hit oh by a car. <laughs> it's the suits. Yep, the suits are back. They've hit him with a car. Jonas tears the logo <laughs> off the back of his costume, telling Ted they did what they needed to do. As they get back in the car to leave, Les stands up. So yeah, Jonas Captain America, he could do it all day. <laughs> car over him because you got to run him over again. At this gotta point, do it again. I guess. Ted ends up running away because he's like, you know what? This is crazy. I'm leaving. So Ted flees. For what it's worth, Ted, you might as well just stick around. Yeah, at this point, you might as well. You're you are implicated. You are complicit in this. You like, hit this man twice with a car. The, the judge isn't going to care if you got hit three times. He's right. just not right. Uh, you, you chased him down once, um, and then you were in the car when he got hit twice. I feel like just because you weren't present for the actual murder doesn't mean you're not an accomplice. Yep. Sorry, Ted. You're in. Jonas looks at Les in front of him, ready to run him over a third time. But Les gets up again and says, you can't make me stop. 
which I don't know what that means, but he that says it again. Almost you, nothing. You can't make me stop. So Jonas drops his hands from the steering wheel and Les hobbles away. And that's the movie. That is it. That is special from 2006. Holy crap. Oh, wow. It sounds so much this crazier movie, by when the you way, talk about it. This movie is one hour, 13 minutes long, 37 seconds. I might as well include it because it is a large percentage of this movie. I thought, this it, was, is a I thought it was an short hour 23. It is not. It is not. Oh, wow. There are somehow four minutes of credits to make it 117. How? I don't I can't know. Imagine crammed that all this into an hour 13. This movie. this movie is somehow feels so long and is so short all at the same time. and also has some pretty interesting things happening in it. They actually do some really good stuff in this movie. And Michael Rappaport is really good. He actually, he is phenomenal in this movie. He does such a good job. It's ridiculous. Like, you can't take your eyes off of him when he's on screen, and he is yeah. just committed, too. He is the reason why this thing gets looked at as an okay movie. It's not yeah. a bad movie. It really isn't. It sounds preposterous after the way we just described it, but it's not bad. Ryan Demarest from the Experience Grind podcast did see this movie as well. <laughs> he saw it but before it came out on DVD when he was a manager of his local video store. He said he really enjoyed it. He felt it was a unique take. He has no idea what's going to hold up 15 years later, but yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, well, said, in 2006, it's all right. In 2006, it was definitely a unique take. Yeah. I mean, you've all heard Ryan. He's extremely opinionated. He sticks to his guns. Nah. If I wanted to do my impression of Ryan, I'd keep talking for another two minutes to describe it. But we're not going to do that here. Just to really drive the point home. Right. He thought it was pretty good. It is a pretty good movie. I'm not going to watch it again. But it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> no, I've seen it now. I don't need to see it again, but I I wouldn't complain about having seen it. No. I do think it has a student film feel to it. Definitely. I mean, it's very apparent how low budget it is. I feel like with this idea, this is one of those ideas that would have soared if it had a bigger budget and just a little more production value behind it. And, you know, different directors. Keep the yeah. writers. Yeah. Fine. But maybe like someone who is competent in filmmaking behind it. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, I mean, it's interesting. I really like the idea, and you really can't figure out what's going on most of the time. Right. You are really living in this character's unreliable head. It's very interesting. It's very well done that you don't know what's really happening and what's not until after it's over. Right. Not the whole movie, it is but as a, the event. It's a comedy, but it's not even close. There are some funny parts. There too, are but... some parts that are pretty hilarious, but it's overall definitely not a comedy. Not at all. And it's so much better than Defendor. And it gets compared to Defendor. I totally a lot. agree. In fact, of the movies we've watched of this weird uh people who think they're superhero genre, this one's probably my favorite. More than Kick Ass? Oh, uh maybe not favorite. I think Kick Ass is better. I think Kick Ass is better made, for sure. Yes. I think this probably has a better premise. I completely agree with you. Even though I think Kick-Ass is a good sign of its times, even though the MySpace thing, oh boy. Even oh. then it was dated in Kick-Ass. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. It, well, yeah. There you have it. There you go. Maybe we're wrong, but you know what? You know, if I hadn't seen Defendor, I probably would be ridiculing this to no end. We've grown up a lot since Defendor. But I, I feel like knowing <laughs> what else is out there helps put this in a, a better light. I agree. Rotten Tomatoes. Where do you think this thing's going to fall? 1-100. Critical. Uh, like a 35? Not even close. A 58% okay. out of 33 reviews. This quirky indie comedy's low budget is readily apparent, but it's elevated by Michael Rappaport's dedicated performance. Yeah. 
Audience score is 63%. Okay. Which is not technically rotten. Not technically. So, good on you, movie. <laughs> Certified <laughs> a tomato. Not sure if it's rotten or fresh, but it's definitely a tomato. It's not. It's a popcorn bucket. So, take that for whatever that means. Oh, That's okay. the logo. There it's very go. confusing. On Amazon.com, this movie has 95 customer ratings. It has a 4.2 out of 5. 60% are 5 star. 4% are 1 star. I'm going to read one one oh. of them to you because okay. all of them are kind of mean for the sake of being mean. Yeah. They don't need oh, to be what they are. This is not a Marvel movie. Worse than that, if this guy clearly has mental issues, yeah, yeah, yada. Oh. That type of thing. It's not just, good. Just making fun of the character? That's More or less, blow. yeah. That's a low blow. But here, from June 17th, 2009, this person says, a special waste of time. Oh. This movie is for you if... A, you are over 20 and still read comic books. B, believe that someone would believe that taking a blue pill would make them a Superman. C, then spend their life trying to enact their powers contrary to all reality telling them otherwise. D, find humor in the situations that people with reduced mental functioning find themselves. E, and don't know that, unless distorted, the reality of such individuals is too mundane for a movie F and that some cheaply made movies are not made to convey an altruistic message, but to make money. <laughs> Just type in a fucking paragraph next time. <laughs> well, let me say this, Dave. A. <laughs> oh, don't. That's just. Don't. The last one's my big issue with this. They yeah, really clearly. thought this was to make money. Clearly not. Clearly. To make money. <laughs> They were trying to make the Blair Witch of superhero movies. And, oh, boy, they just missed. Uh, just missed. Anyone who believes a blue pill will give you powers, but then also not have powers. What's your point? I don't know. I really don't know. But Land we're not even, argument. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in those monsters. All right. You have different monsters in mind? We are celebrating. That's what this month's about. We need to remind ourselves this right. is a celebration of Roger Ebert, our dear, dear friend. So I think to honor. Roger Ebert, a proper honor. We're not going to make any jokes about him being dead. Not any jokes about how he can't talk because he's missing a jaw. Not any jokes about how he loves super sex and he's worried about super boning. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about uh, Roger Ebert and Michael Rappaport's loaf. We're not going to do that. That is not a thing we're going to do. honor him. Roger Ebert has put out a number of lists about his favorite films of all time. Some of them are pretty predictable, some of them not so much. The list I'm going off of was written by Roger Ebert on April 1st, 1991. Not an April Fool's joke. He said this a billion times that this is the list <laughs> as of 1991. I thought it'd be fun to pull one star reviews from a film that Roger Ebert holds so near and dear to his heart. And a film that we're probably never going to ever talk about ever, ever again. Yeah, okay. That sounds like fun. So Roger Ebert's number one film of all time, he's kind of split between Casablanca and Citizen Kane. Predictable. I'm going to say he leans Citizen Kane, mostly yeah. because he's, he took 10 hours to watch the movie one time to dissect it frame by frame. Well, that's too much. <laughs> he's also on the audio commentary that he recorded probably in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Wow. And just raved about the movie Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane looked at as the greatest film of all time. By lots of people. By lots and lots of people. I know I've seen the thing too many times because apparently film professors don't talk to each other. 
and they just show the, the <laughs> fucking movie every How single chance they get. How true is that? Oh, oh my god, it's ridiculous. My film professors did talk to each other, so I only saw it once. Well, look at you. Look <laughs> at you. To celebrate Roger Ebert, here are the one-star reviews for Citizen Kane. Here we go. On Rotten Tomatoes, Citizen Kane has a 100%. Audience score is 90%. 100. Made in 1941, directed by and starring Orson Welles himself. Right. Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus says Orson Welles' epic tale of a publishing tycoon's rise and falls entertaining, poignant, and inventive in its storytelling, earning its reputation as a landmark achievement in film. It is the top of the list on both the AFI and the British film list of greatest films of all time. The importance of it can't be stressed enough. There's books written about it. There's you name it. Since the Kane's been talked about a billion times over. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> On Amazon.com, it's got a 4.5 out of 5, 1,926 customer ratings. Okay. Only 76% of them are five star. That checks out. And 5% are one star. Because they're monsters. From January 2nd, 2019, title, It Isn't Large Screen, review, <laughs> a famous movie, but I don't watch the DVD I bought. Picture doesn't fill the TV screen. One what? star for Citizen Kane. Um, like it's letterboxed or it's... I don't know. Picture doesn't fill the TV screen. Why are people the way that they are? <laughs> it's the same movie. It just doesn't fill TV screen. It doesn't fill... get a bigger TV. Then you won't even realize the parts that aren't there. That's not how TVs work, Brian, but fair enough. <laughs> That's exactly how TVs work. It's just because be... you get a bigger screen. Do you think it's just going to magically fill the screen just because it's a bigger screen? No, I don't think it's going to fill the screen, but the part of the screen that's filled will be big enough for you to enjoy. Fair enough. That may be how it works. <laughs> that's fine. From March 13th, 2020. That's very recent. Can you not furnish this in English? <laughs> it's so proper. Uh, pardon me, sir. It appears that you have not furnished this film in <laughs> my native language. Pardon. Can you not furnish this in English? <laughs> Can you not furnish this in English? <laughs> Who writes like that? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Oh, man. Not the kind of person I would expect to be upset that they're not speaking my language. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> From April 6th, 2000. Title, This Movie Blows. Review, <laughs> This was one of the worst movies I have ever seen. I can't tell you enough how much it disgusts me when I hear these Hollywood buffs saying that this is the greatest movie of all time. What a joke. Get a clue. Camera angles and deep focus photography, photography don't make a movie good. The plot is what makes a movie good. And the plot to Citizen Kane was absolutely terrible. If you want to know what the best movie of all time is, it's Top Gun. <laughs> That's the part I was waiting for. I was like, please <laughs> tell me that this person is going to give us... Their opinion of what the best movie of all time is and did not disappoint. Top Gun. Oh, man. Well, that's why Top Gun, famous for when they do the whole flying thing. I can see you up there, Maverick. I got you, Rosebud. <laughs> we should not be talking about this movie. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's uh, like, it's one of those things of this is a man who's confusing favorite movie with proper great cinema. It's like, 
I, I actually do put Citizen Kane. I'm not going to put it top 10. I put it definitely top 15 okay. on my list. Okay, I was going to say. I was like, eh. It's way the hell up there. And a lot of it's more out of like respect and stuff like that for absolutely. what it did. And whenever I turn it on, I absolutely love the movie still. And I probably watch it once every, I don't know, three or four years. It's not often. Like a proper film nerd. Like a proper film nerd. It's on yeah. my film nerd card that I I'm required to watch it time. in order to keep it. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, is, it, is it time to renew? I better punch my nope, Citizen better pop Kane in card my Citizen Kane. <laughs> send, send them my dues. No, we're good. I bought an extra month because I watched Vertigo once. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen Citizen Kane once, and I feel like it was enough. What are your thoughts on it? I, it's fine. Uh, you know, I, mad props for what it did for film. It's good, but I'm like, I don't know. Cinematically, what's a better made film, Citizen Kane or Top Gun? <laughs> Oh, Citizen Kane for sure. All right, now, um, now, what would I rather watch? I would rather watch. I Top would Gun. pick Top Gun in a hot, in a hot second. I'd pick every Top time, Gun. every single time. Orson Welles just doesn't have a volleyball scene, and I think that's <laughs> the downfall it's of suffers. that movie. You know what, Citizen Kane <laughs> with the volleyball scene. You know what, release the Wells cut, please, please. Hashtag release the Wells cut. That's what we're all going to be talking about real soon. Highway to the sledding Dang. zone. <laughs> Just high five and slow motion, and <laughs> this is gonna be Arson Wells and Joseph Cotton. Yep, <laughs> and Crushed it's not even it. a high five in slow motion. It's just like looking dead in the eyes, just like a gentlemanly handshake because it's 1941. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> From September 26th, 2002. I have never understood why this movie is consistently rated as the best American film ever made. The cinematography is too dark. Almost the whole time, making the viewer strain to see the faces clearly enough to tell the characters apart. The plot is too psychological to follow without effort. <laughs> and Kane himself is not a good enough character to justify such effort. I never felt strongly enough about him, either way, to care about anything he does or experiences. Basically, I would rate this movie as a pretentious waste of a perfectly good two hours. <laughs> I'm giggling to myself because... They have some points. <laughs> they do. But then they completely ruin themselves by saying, this movie involves effort. Yeah. It's, and thought. Um, oh, and I, you just, want I did to... not sign up for that. You want me to sit in front of a movie <laughs> and then have to think? That's no, why thank I watch you. Marvel movies. That's why we do a podcast on superhero movies. <laughs> Again, we should not be talking about this movie. <laughs> we should not be talking about Citizen Kane ever. But we have to. I feel like we have to for Roger. For the Ebs. For a good friend, Roger. From November 1st, 2016. I want you to put yourself in that mindset. We're about to vote two days from that time. <laughs> oh, no. Put yourself in that mindset. We're not a political podcast. No. We're about to get a little political. Oh, we should not be talking about this movie. We should never be talking about this movie. <laughs> Maybe this was cutting edge when he made it, but honestly, it was boring to me today. I think the movie has historical significance. And there are some Hillary Clinton Kane parallels, but the whole movie was slow moving and predictable. So people should go back and watch Citizen Kane because there are a number of comments on this review on Amazon saying, are you fucking serious? This is Donald Trump all over. And they're absolutely right. Yeah. About yeah. a man manipulating the media, creating his own war. If there's not a war, I'll make it. That type of thing. That's what's going on here. 
it's got Hillary Clinton written all over it. This movie is insanely topical. It is fascinating how topical it is, and it might even make it timeless. I actually hadn't thought about that aspect of it, and you are completely right. It's creepy how much it lands. There are so many parallels between Charles Foster Kane and Donald Trump that it's almost terrifying. That's fascinating. I wonder if Donald Trump has a sled. I don't think he does. I think Donald Trump's final word is going to be pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's going to die. And then all the reporters are going to go, oh, man, what's he talking about? What's he trying to grab at? I just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What's he trying to grab at? Yeah, either that or it'll be (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. That's a Xanadu, dude. That's what it is. (laughs) It's fascinating. Go back and be pretentious for two hours of your life. It's it's worth the trip, I think. You know, I feel like I haven't been pretentious in a while. Maybe it's time. Go listen to, again, Ryan Amarist, Experience Grinder Patreon. He does a whole thing on pretentiousness. He sure does. It's great. On the Patreon, he's he's always doing pretentious nonsense. Right? He sits there and drinks tea and judges you as you listen to it. That's how pretentious it is. I love that. Signing up to get judged? Sign me up. That's right. <laughs> From June 23rd. 2013, never can get our interest story way almost as bad as Woody Allen's Annie Hall. And that makes me want to find you and hurt you physically. Because Annie Hall is in my top 10. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, there's one way to make Dave instantly blood red mad. <laughs> it's to insult Citizen Kane and Annie Hall at the same time. In one fell swoop, you just went. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Two groundbreaking films. Don't do that. <laughs> if you had thrown in some Hawkeye hate along the way, man. We have major issues then. <laughs> Hawkeye could have come in and been useless and shoot down those flying monkeys, Wizard of Oz. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> that would have done it. Also, Green really Lantern is not a good movie. <sighs> they're not wrong, but they're also wrong simultaneously. <laughs> Watch the, the extended cuts, not even the director's cut. Mark and Campbell doesn't want anything to do with Green Lantern. No. From May 28th, 2014, title this film is terrible. Review, this film is in black and white, which means I can't even see the ogre's green. This film does not have layers. Is dumb. <laughs> Shrek is love. Shrek, Shrek is, life. is life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Citizen Kane, man. I have no idea what happened there, but I loved it. Pretty sure that's going to be like the tagline underneath it. Come see Citizen Kane. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. <laughs> Can't even see the ogre's green. If you're going to give a one-star review, get clever with it. Got it. They did it. Nailed it. I love it. The last one I have for Citizen Kane, the movie we should never, ever be talking about on this show. Nope. We love you, Roger. We miss you. I'm going to do an Ebert salute. It's the jaw (laughs) in the table. You said we weren't going to do that. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, Edit that. Don't you dare edit that. Don't you dare. Is your chin okay? (laughs) It looks like it hurt. This review is probably going to be the toughest one I ever have to try to get through reading. Most of these are really hard, mostly because people don't speak English, believe it or not. They can't furnish English. (laughs) <laughs> on their Amazon reviews. Uh, good callback. From August 4th, 2007. I bought this expecting to see the movie Citizen Kane. However, when it arrived in the mail, it was not a movie. 
It came in a weird box that was not like a movie, and when I opened it, there were two CDs inside. Normally, when you buy movies, they have a large tape inside that you put into a VCR. I put the CDs into my VCR, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> the machine just made a weird sound. So then I tried putting them into it one at a time, but the same thing happened. I even tried rewinding, but nothing happened. I thought maybe it was just the music from the movie. But I don't have a CD player, so I can't find out. The box says it is a movie, but it does not include instructions for using the movie or how to make it work. I just wanted to see a movie. I didn't ask for all of this. <laughs> oh, wow. What a wonderful time in our history. <laughs> I don't know what these DVD letters mean. There were a number of comments on Amazon.com. <laughs> about this one <laughs> and all of them openly said this review is better than the movie citizen kane and they've acknowledged <laughs> that citizen kane's the best film of all time in this comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this person has leaned in to not understanding how a dvd player works <laughs> it, i i don't even know i just don't have hope for anyone in the world anymore after this i mean i understand that dvds were relatively new then but Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You put the CDs into your VH, your VCR thinking it would work? I even tried to rewind. Multiple people said, you should try blowing on the CD. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple people said, you need to wipe it down with alcohol and a cotton swab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try winding it? Oh, man. It's so, so good. Oh, wow. Brian, let's give this thing some super stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. But first, I'm kidding. This movie doesn't have any IMDb trivia facts. I debated putting one in there, and I couldn't think of anything clever enough for this movie. There's uh, nope. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, it's the first time I've ever seen anything like it. So, super stuff score. We're going to start with story and motivation. Story is you got a lonely guy who's a little depressed, and he takes some medicine... And now he thinks it's super. And now he thinks he's he has delusions of grandeur, and he has a severe manic episode. I kind of like the story. I'm going to go 0. 0.5. Yeah, I agree. Hero. Is he at all? Uh, Even a hero at all? I don't know. He does get that woman's purse back. Hey, he tackled one That's guy. The got only real lucky one with that we tackle. know for sure actually happened. Let's go with zero. Yeah. Because he also beat up some guys who were trying to help him in a very aggressive way. That's uh, true. The drug guys. So let's go zero and just yeah, call well, it a day. Were they trying to help him? They said stop taking the shit. They could have gone about it a different way, yeah, but they're businessmen. They're meanies. I mean, they beat him up. Eventually. All they did was stab the one guy in the ear. Yeah, you're right. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Villains. It's the um, is it the drug guys? Because again, it the they try helping. Guy, or is it Michael Rappaport's brain? Ah, uh, <laughs> I think we should just call this a zero and move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. Oh, boy. This movie. Parents. Nothing. We got nothing. Zero. We know nothing about his parents. He makes a random phone call in one of the scenes, and I'm like, I wasn't sure. I rewatched the scene like four times before I realized he was leaving a message from a payphone on Dr. Dobson's answering machine about- Yeah, that's a weird thing to do. Superpowers. And then Dr. Dobson didn't know that he was still taking the medication until he saw him Be on the Be careful news. here, or else we're going to have to reduce the story score. Be careful. 
Female characters. <laughs> no, negative. Where are we going negative on this one? Uh, it's just M- Maggie. <laughs> it's, this, she's this the sense. only one. She's You know what? I'll go zero and let's move on. Yep. This is dangerous territory with this character. <laughs> Very zero. much so. Setting. Where are we? I have no idea. I want to say that the police station said New York police, but the, all the license plates said California. All right, let's go zero. Call so, it a day again. We are. This is like the fastest one we've ever done. This is great. No idea where we are. Style and tone. So student film, is that a style or a tone? Uh, that's more tone, I think. No, I don't know. But I do think that we have something here with the with the way they tell the story where you're not sure what's actually happening because it's coming from Les Franken's point of view. I think it's very well done. I think well that's done. A, a really well done storytelling aspect for something that i guess i don't know shouldn't be that well done <laughs> i do want to give some props though to the cinematographer nelson Craig. so a lot of people working in the industry will start out on garbage movies real small things and they're going to work themselves up to you know be a real thing to sure. be a real a real person in the entertainment industry yeah in 2006 not even even before that all Nelson Craig did was a lot of short movies. Then he did, in 2006, did special as a cinematographer. Did more shorts after that. And then he ended up getting noticed when he became director of photography on the movie Splinter. Which okay. is a pretty well-known horror movie that got some attention, weird enough. And from there, he went to CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, where he was director of photography for 15 episodes. That's something. And then, from there, he moved up and became director of photography for two episodes on Breaking Bad. Oh, and that's... then he went from there to do 23 episodes of Homeland and oh. 10 episodes of Halt and Catch Fire and okay. three episodes of American Horror Story. And he did the whole run of Feud, Betty and Joan. And he did another 12 episodes of American Horror Story for a different series. American Crime Story, you mean? That's what I meant, that one. But he did <laughs> stuff. He made yeah. it. Yeah, he, uh, he ramped up and he got there. He did, and he also directed some episodes of American... Well, he directed one episode of American Horror Story and one episode of American Crime Story, so he made it. Good for him. He's the Michael Rappaport of this... of this uh, The crew. Oh, the, I was going to... I thought you were going to say the Michael Rappaport of this movie, and um, I'm afraid that one's taken. I think it is taken. <laughs> Not the Liam Neeson movie. I still don't think this movie looks any good, but... No, uh, it's actually... I'll go point two at, five to acknowledge something. I don't at know. At points, when, when he's... When he's doing stuff with his powers, it's laughable. It is. Like when he's being chased by Ted and he flies. And he's yeah. he just lowers <laughs> on the screen. He's just huh. Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, point two five. Music. The soothing sounds of Tom Wolf and Manish Raval. This is an extremely weird one. It's so weird. I want to talk about Manish Raval for a hot second. Okay. Because, yeah, he did do special. He was the composer on special. Yeah. In 2006. He's a music supervisor, more than anything. Okay. And a music coordinator. And he's done such films as his first film, music coordinator, was Kingpin. And he also did The Big Lebowski. Okay. And he also did Me, Myself, and Irene, and Shallow Hal, and The Majestic, and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. 
the ringer you see special in there again so he led up to doing special to for whatever reason <laughs> honestly i can understand why it sounded like it had the soundtrack of a comedy yeah exactly <laughs> i was laughing the whole time he's actually done a ton of things really he has a deep 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 list of being a music supervisor you should know him especially because he did 94 episodes of community oh that you, okay that you just finished watching i sure did that's fascinating I wonder if he's the one who went onto Wikipedia and unlinked his name from the special Wikipedia It's possible. Page. I think he did it the day that Green Book somehow won Oscar for Best Picture because, yeah, he was music editor and music supervisor on that, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it seems like he's trying to bury his involvement in special because he's yep. not linkable from the Wikipedia page. Yeah, there you go. So um, the music in this is absolute trash. I just it's... want to give some props to the people who worked on it. Yeah, good good for them. They'll get there I've worked on like. independent films before, and it is a fucking drag. So good on them. <laughs> this is a zero. This music sucks. Yeah, the, ass. Music, the music was awful. It takes a straw, puts it in the ass, and just sucks. <laughs> gross. Yeah, it is uh, gross. One-liners. Nothing. Absolutely There's, nothing zero. There is nothing. You can't make me stop. Yeah, we got through the super stuff as fast as this movie got through the movie. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> One hour, 13 minutes. Finally, impact on the genre. Negative something. I don't know. All right, let's go zero. Because uh, you end up, this is the first of of these real person as a superhero. No one saw it, Brian. Yeah, but you can't tell me that the people who did Defendor didn't go, hmm. Oh, yeah, those people. That's the ones you want following It had a huge impact on movies like Defendor and Super. I can see Woody Harrelson now. If Michael Rappaport could do this, I could do this. Because that's where his competition is. No. <laughs> this is a zero. Of course it is. This movie did nothing. <laughs> this movie made less money than a Toyota dealership on a Wednesday morning. Zero. That's going to give Special a total score of .75. I'm all right with it. Yeah, that feels It's not a good movie, right. but it, it's an interesting movie. It's not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. Is it worth the watch? Maybe. Once. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say maybe. It's fine. It's special. Yeah. It's great. I'd in, say in, in its own way. If you if you're feeling up to it. If you have an hour 13 to burn and you don't want to watch just an episode of Game of Thrones and then just <laughs> sit and think for 20 minutes, then you have a ball. It's great. If you if you finished like the most recent season of Atypical and went, you know, I want to see more Michael Rappaport not being funny. This is where you go, I guess. <laughs> there you go, special um, two thousand six. He's actually phenomenal on that show, by the way. He's a very good actor. He's the best part of this movie. With that, well, he's actually legitimately extremely good in this movie. He's very believable as somebody going completely bonkers. Yeah, and it was to the point that I reached out to Michael Rappaport to. Try to figure out how he came up with the character of Les Franken. Yeah. There's no buildup here. He didn't respond. But I made sure to say, (laughs) you're actually amazing in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. And it really makes Woody Harrelson look kind of silly in Defendor. Absolutely, it does. Like, Woody Harrelson's (laughs) trying way too hard. Whereas Michael Rapport actually decided to have a character. It works. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brian, I've been dreading this for a week. Oh, hopefully we've put in some good karma with the Ebs. Roger Ebert, well, the ghost of, he's going to pick our movie that we're watching next week. Here we go. For week two of Ebert Month. Next week, 
We're going to be talking about 1989's The Punisher. Oh, that's not even the quote-unquote good one. Nope. All right. Uh, this is a Marvel character who definitely goes under the radar a lot of the time. Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. Those two things put next to each other just made me, my loaf is cooked. This is <laughs> absolutely terrific. I am extremely excited for this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty stoked, actually. Did not expect to see it go that way. It's going to be great. Thank you, Roger. I think right. maybe I haven't watched it. I've never seen it. So until next week, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or send us an email at katepodcasters at gmail.com. Links for those are on our website, katepodcasters.com. And you can follow us on Patreon, where we're doing exclusive non-super movies and Batman the Animated Series episodes on Batman Animation and comic book episodes on The Pull List. Check out the website. Brian made it, and it is so, so good. Stop it has it. links for your, your fellow hosts here. It's a little trivia strewn about. You got links to all of our sidekicks who have ever been on the episodes. Yeah. So you can get to know about them a little more. And also, you can check out all the episodes. They're all there. Yeah, you can sort by all sorts of different tags, like if you just want to see MCU movies or if you just want to look at Roger Ebert movies. It's all there. It's all there. It's a pretty awesome website. Aw, thanks. There's also more information about all the Patreon shows on there, too. There you go. Perfect. But I guess we're going to see you next week for The Punisher. The Punisher. Same pod time. Same pod loaf. So, Brian, that is special. What do you think happens post-credits? I think uh, we cut to a boardroom with a screen on the on the wall with a, a group of people, kind of like a Zoom conference, but not really. It's a bunch of people in suits. They look very official. And sitting at the end of this long conference table is Samuel L. Jackson. And in his hand, <laughs> okay. he has, he has a, a pile of manila envelopes. And he puts them down on the table one by one. And he said, in case things ever break down, I've got a backup. The derangers. And he drops down files for Aaron Taylor Johnson <laughs> and Rain Wilson and Woody Harrelson and Michael Rappaport. That's incredible. <laughs> I never knew I needed something like that until this moment. And uh, now nothing else matters in the world. Yeah. Uh, the worst movie of all time. Coming soon. The derangers. I love it. <laughs> Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is you have Dr. Dobson, who's talking to Les Franken in this movie. And Les Franken's like, yeah, you, you passed. You're going to do this test. Here you go. Here's a blue pill. And Michael Rapport reaches out, and he grabs a red pill and eats it. And Dr. Dobson goes, where the fuck did you get? What are you doing? <laughs> and Morpheus is standing there going, good. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep this rabbit hole goes. And it turns out that, that Michael Rapport's the one, baby. Uh, it checks out. It it makes so much sense. He can see the code. He can see the code. He's living in the code. <laughs> <laughs>